you are welcome to the Let's Talk About Jesus ministry. My name is Emmanuel Ogiva, and today I have Brother Eze with me today, and we will be talking about our Lord and personal Savior. And the topic we have today is titled um, "Come Back to Jesus." Come back to Jesus. Now, this topic, you know, is birthed from the fact that there are many Christians out there who. Um, who have tasted of the love of Jesus. They have enjoyed the fact that God is good. But the world pulls them away from Christ. And they start, you know, they start getting deeper, deeper into the snare of the devil. And they lose their salvation. Or let's say they they forsake the one who saved them. Now, these are the people that we are speaking to and we're asking to come back to Jesus. So, come back to Jesus. So, let us do with an introduction, sir. When you hear the word, come back to Jesus, like, what does it mean to you? First of all, thank you so much for having me. Coming back to Jesus is a realization of your first love. Like you can see in the book of Revelations, when Jesus was talking to the church in Ephesus, he said they have lost and they've forgotten their first love. You see, when it comes to lost, the only thing that can conquer lost is love. So coming back to Jesus is realizing the love of Jesus, which gives you the ability to love him. So when you say the word coming back to Jesus, for me, the first thing that clicks in my mind is realizing the love of Jesus and being drawn back to him. Thank you, sir. Realizing the love of Jesus and being drawn back to him. Fantastic. So I like us because we're going to be basing our talk today on on the Bible. We are not going to talk from our own understanding because the only thing that is truth is God's word. So the first verse we're going to look at will be from the book of Matthew chapter 11 from verse 28 to, to, to 30. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. It says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Say, For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Thank you very much, sir. Now, this verse is actually not referring to those who are forsaking the Lord. It's referring to those who are in the Lord. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are ever laden. Now, God does not want us to live the Christian life by ourselves. If He wants it, He will, he will not give us the Holy Spirit. He sends out the Holy Spirit as our helper. To help us in this Christian life, it says, "Come to me, all you who labor and heaven, and I will give you rest." It wants us to, um, like, 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 it wants us to, you know. Bible says that um, uh, it's not by might, it's not by power, but by by the Spirit of God. Some some of the things that we do, really, God wants us. God wants to do it through us. God wants to, uh, wants to give us the strength to do it it says come to me and i will give you rest so sir from this verse what do you understand 
So the first thing I, I would understand from this verse is, what is rest? So Jesus Christ is assuring us that if we come to him, he will give us rest. The first thing you need to understand is, rest is not laziness. As, as Christians, we, some Christians will believe, rest is not a license for lawlessness. So Jesus Christ is saying that he's going to give us rest. And in the same breath, he said, take my yoke upon you. That means what Jesus Christ wants to do is give you a rest, but he wants you to live a life that is constrained and tailored to follow him. So he's saying, take my yoke upon you. That means your life is going to be constrained to follow Jesus. Everything that you do now from the moment you take the rest he's offering you is going to be tailored in such a way that he becomes the emphasis of your life. He becomes everything in your life. So the first thing I want everyone to understand is when the Bible is talking about rest, it's talking about God doing the work in you. The Bible says God is at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So rest is allowing God work through you and your position is one of absolute obedience. Absolute obedience. Thank you very much, sir. And now touch on the come to me. Like it's, it's actually calling. Like why will he be calling us to come to him? Like what are we doing wrong that makes him say, no, 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 stop. Stop that. Come to me. Jesus Christ is uh, painting a picture here. If we read the, the verses before this, he said, no one knows the Father except him. So what Jesus Christ is saying is that you don't need to solve your problems before you come to me. You know, there are many people that they feel that, you know what, um, Eze or Emmanuel, when I get my life together, I will come to Jesus. You see, if it was possible for you to fix your life, then you will not need Jesus. So Jesus Christ is saying, come to me. That means come the way you are. Come with your burdens. Come with your sin. Come with your issues. Come with your addiction. Come with everything you're going through. And despite everything you're going through, he's telling you to come the way you are. He's not criticizing you. He's not judging you. He wants to use the love to override the lust in your life. So coming to Jesus is coming to him the way you are, not trying to fix yourself. He will be the one to make you, as he said to Peter, he said, follow me and I will make you. Forget about the making aspect. He's the, he's the one that does the job. So come and he'll be the one to transform you to who he wants. Yes. Hallelujah. Beautiful. Come to Jesus. He's calling you to come to Jesus. Now let's explore the story of the prodigal sons. You know, this, this man, he has... Um, he has everything. The father gave him everything, but he said, "No, daddy, I want to give my inheritance. I want to, you know, take what is mine." It, it was not the intention of the father for his son to live. We can look at it in the same way in the Christian faith. God does not want us to leave Him. He doesn't leave us. He says that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. We are the ones. That leave him because of you know being drawn away by our evil desires. So this guy was drawn away by maybe the, the things he had he's seen outside. He said, God, he gave me what I have, and he, you know, he went. Now, I'll start from there and I'd like you to speak from that point. So now my question is this. Um, why did he come back home? Why did he come back home? 
he came back because in the story of the prodigal son he had tasted of the love of the father before so he came back as a result of a comparison he looked at his life he looked at the fact that what the devil wants to do is to deceive you to think that there's something you're missing out that jesus doesn't want you to have but after he had gone astray and enjoyed that life he discovered that there's nothing that can be substituted for the love of jesus there's nothing so he looked at his life he looked at the love of the father and for him it was an easy decision because even the servants had enough to eat and even spare whereas him had he had nothing so he had the previous experience of the love of the father and then he had something to hold on to to cause him to go back beautiful hallelujah so sir can you look at the camera there sir and speak to those people out there that you know that they have gone straight in regards to what you just said now sir so you see speaking to you now if you've gone astray if you've gone astray you're addicted to pornography you're addicted to lust you're you're in, in an immoral relationship you don't know where to start from you don't know how to return back to jesus the first thing i want you to realize is that the love that we have for god is not original the bible says in the book of first john chapter 4 verse 19 that we love him because he first loved us so that means it is the revelation of the love of God that enables you to love him. Jesus gave us an almighty formula. He said, where your treasures are, there your heart will be also. So you don't need to bother about loving Jesus. All you need to do is focus on making Jesus the number one treasure in your life. Focus on making Jesus your priority. Focus on making Jesus your all and all. And if Jesus becomes your most prized possession, your heart will gravitate to what you possess, to what you desire, to what you treasure. So focus on treasuring Jesus and your heart will gravitate to that direction. And it will make you to overcome that lust that you're going through. We are going to um, talk about this word that people are going into now, you know. It is very, very attractive. Oh my goodness. The word is attractive, the sweet. There is there is partying, there is, like, you, like you feel like you belong. Like even this pride parade right now, the people are having right now, yes. they, feel, they feel like they belong somewhere. That there's so much, you know, they belong. And you will see Christians looking outward. That's why for me, God has taught me if you don't want to backslide, your eyes must always be on Jesus. The moment Peter took his eye away from Jesus, he began to sink. The way we, the moment we Christians take our eyes away from the saving Jesus, there's no way you begin to sink. It will, Bible says that it will, it will, it will uphold you. You know, like, 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 like caught him. Like the reason why Jesus Christ caught Peter was. Peter said that Jesus helped. Jesus Christ now helped him up. So, the word is very, very attractive and it is, you know, taking people in. So, I'd like us to talk about the word now. So, how can we conquer this word? How can we have <laughs> conquer? How can we, like, you know, we have, we have already overcome that what Jesus Christ said in the Bible. Yeah. But what can we do not to be pulled? You see, Emmanuel, and to people that are listening to us, 
the problem that people face is lack of understanding. You see, God created us as human beings and the Bible records that he breathed into man. But God also created the fishes. He created the dogs, the goats, the sheep. But the question is, did he breathe into them? The answer is no. But are they alive? The answer is yes. You see, there is a life form that those animals have. It's called bios. That is the life that makes them subject to their inclinations. It makes them subject to their desires. It makes them subject to their passions. That's why you see a dog in, a, in, in their heat period, the dog can sleep with any dog. Why? Because it's instinct. But God breathed into man. He gave us a higher life. That is called Zoe. The, the very life of God that is resident enough, that life gives us the ability to subject, to put our desires into subjection. The Bible says in the book of Romans chapter 8 verse 11, it says, If the same spirit that rose Jesus Christ from the dead is resident in you, that same spirit will quicken your mortal bodies. Now in verse 12, you'll find out why verse 11 is critical. Verse 12 said, clearly that we are not obligated to our flesh to live according to our flesh so believers that are struggling with this world have not yet come to an understanding of the life of god that is capable of making you live a life above lust live a life above your desires live a life above your inclinations live a life above your struggle it is a problem of knowledge because i can assure you emmanuel there is a place in god that is superior to your new year resolution. There is a place in God that is superior to your discipline. There is a place in God where the desires of God overwhelms you, so much so that you're, you're carried away by his desires and lust has been replaced by something that is superior to lust, which is love. So the issue that people face is a knowledge problem. Is a knowledge problem. That is why the world seems to be more attractive. I did a talk about, um, talk with somebody like this, titled Life with Jesus is Sweet. Hmm. That was the old test and see that the Lord is good. Knowing Jesus, the song says knowing you, knowing you, knowing you. There is no greater thing that you are my all, you are the best, you are my joy, you are my righteousness. Just the fact of thinking about Jesus, just the fact of looking at Jesus, the fact of just in his presence, there's nothing more better than just being with Christ. I feel like these people need to, you know, you know, turn their eyes away from this world and just try Jesus, test Jesus, and then see that he's good, and then God will give them the power to, to remain faithful. So you mean faithful. John 40 verse 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 6 verse 44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. The question is now, from these two scriptures now, should Christians or, you know, or unbelievers, 
Should they try to come to God? Should they, they hear the call, come to me, come to me. Should, like, does it rest on them to come to Jesus? Or does it rest on Jesus to draw them? So what do you, what, what do you think about that question, sir? Well, the first thing you need to understand about that is coming to Jesus in the first place is impossible without the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Completely impossible. You can never be convicted without Him. That is why a sin against the Holy Spirit is one that cannot be forgiven. Why? Because if the Holy Spirit Himself does not help you, you will never know that you need Jesus. It's impossible. So, in the first place, uh, coming to Jesus, you need to be drawn by God. That's it. But when you're in Christ, there's a place for seeking. David said in the book of Psalm 27 verse 4, he says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? To behold the beauty of the Lord. So David wants to be in the temple. He doesn't want a visitation. You see the problem with um, God drawing into the place of prayer is it doesn't happen always. But you want to make your, your atmosphere a habitation. That is why you seek God. Because there are levels in God that you want to go into. There is a place in God where, that you can get into where you can begin to walk in the gift of the Spirit. But all these things are locked in God. And you have to seek God. The Bible says it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. But it is also the glory of kings to search the matter out. So coming to God in the first place as an unbeliever is impossible without the Holy Spirit. God himself, the Holy Spirit has to draw you. But when you're in God, there's a place for seeking. That is why there are levels to Christianity. There are people that are further in God. Why? Because they have it in their heart to seek God as their most prized possession, as their treasure. And as they begin to seek him, you find out that their will becomes strengthened. I love what you said, my brother. You said you like when God, Jesus whispers in your ears and then he calls It's fantastic. But there's a place when you pray, even when you don't feel like praying. What that does is it strengthens your will. So even though you don't feel the presence of God, you know that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And your will is strengthened to remain in the place of prayer. So there's a place for seeking and there's a place that God will draw you. Okay. Thank you, sir. Beautiful. Now, if you look at that verse we just read, no one can come to the Father. On so no one can come to Jesus unless the Father draws them. No one can come to the Father except Jesus. Now you you spoke about the first, the Holy Spirit drawing. Now because is levels. Holy Spirit draws, draws you to Jesus. Jesus is the bridge to the Father. So without Him, you can't get there, right? Hmm. Without Jesus, you can't get to the Father. Okay. Now, you said something about the levels of, of, of the Christian faith. Okay, so the way I see it, I see it as 
um, the owner of the house is the father. We are adopted into the family. So the even reason why we are there is because the son was the one that brought us to the father. Now, sir, in the area of, 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 of the seeking you just said, do we have access, now that we're not in the family, do we not have direct access to the father without the son? Or do we need the son every time to get to the father? What do you think, sir? It is the blood of Jesus that gives us the legal grant to approach the father. Outside of it, you can't approach the father. Because you see, in the Old Testament, they had, a, they had sin offerings. It was covering of sins. That is why the priest, when he goes in, they tie a belt to his legs because if the sin of the people is higher than the offering, he might be killed. So when it comes to Jesus, it is the blood of Jesus that enables us to approach the Father. Because the Bible says in Hebrews 4, 6, right? Let us come boldly to the throne of grace. That is the the throne of the Father, where grace is distributed. It is on the basis of the Son that you approach God. No other basis. You know, there's no other religion. You can't, there are people that say, okay, um, we still, we are still serving God. No, 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 no. If, if you don't believe in Jesus being the way, not being a way, He is the way. There is no other way. There is no other way to the Father. So we always come to the Father through the precious blood of Jesus. And you can never outgrow that stage. Never. I boast not my greatness in life or my access to, the, to Jesus is not in the fact that I sought the Lord and God gave me a miracle. Now my language is this. Jesus helped me to seek the Lord and he gave me a miracle. It's like there's like that area of I seek is not turned to yes, I'm not only seeking, yes, but he helped me to seek the Lord and he gave me a miracle. It's like me deflecting the attention because some people some people some Christians can can make a boast in themselves rather than in the Lord. So that's why areas of that years of my life has not been directed to that him so what do you have to say about that well anybody that makes a boast that i saw the lord and i encountered him is ignorance because the bible says that god is at work in us both to do and what to will and to do of his good pleasure and what you need to understand is the spirit of god the holy spirit he has a job, a very special job, very unique. It's called quickening. The Bible says it is the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. And David said in Psalm 80, he said, So we will not go away from you. Quicken us and we will call upon your name. So when it comes to the time of prayer, you are going to be quickened when you ask for help. He will quicken you to pray. But what you must understand is, it is not always instantaneous. So believers must know that we have a father in God. He's our father, but he's also king. So we must know how to wait. So when you say, sweet Holy Spirit, quicken me, it might not happen immediately. 
So you must learn how to maintain a heart posture of waiting. That is where your will comes in play. So you ask the Holy Spirit to quicken you and you know that God cannot despise a contrite and broken spirit. You know he will quicken you, but when will he quicken you? Are you willing to wait? You see, the question is some people kneel down. Father, quicken me, I want to pray. And then after one minute, if nothing happens, they get up. No, our father is a king and we must learn how to take the disposition of waiting. So as you begin to, for instance, you can be speaking in tongues while you're waiting for the Holy Spirit to quicken you. And as you're speaking in tongues, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and he comes to quicken you, your words are no more repetition. In the, in the realm of quickening, you can just be saying, thank you, Jesus. And every time you say, thank you, Jesus, it takes on a new meaning into your life. So you need to be quickened and you need to learn how to wait. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. So we're going to conclude with this verse. The book of Revelation chapter 22 verse 17. Revelation 22 verse 17. It says here, The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty, Come. Let the one who, 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 who desires take the water of of life without price so today the lord is calling even me even you sir even everybody to come to him we need him desperately we are in this world where uh, lots of things oh my goodness without jesus nobody can stand so we need him bible says that we are the branches and he's the vine we cannot be effort without like even the desire to become great even the desire to be wealthy, like, so, sir, what would you say, you know, to conclude this um, talk? What I want to say is, let us now use our imaginations now. A hundred years ago, uh, there were human beings walking on this earth, like you and I. They had similar aspirations and similar goals. They wanted to be a pilot, they wanted to be a nurse, they wanted to go to school, they wanted to raise their children, they wanted to make money. But now, 100 years later, the only thing that matters is how much of the will of God did they walk in. That is the only thing that matters now. So you see, Jesus gave us a strategy. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything will be added to you. He knows your need, he knows your wants, he knows your aspirations, he knows your dreams. So, Satan has also brought up a scheme. What he wants you to do is to go after the things of this world so that the things of this world will lead you away from the presence of God. But again, Jesus Christ being superior in wisdom offers us a solution that if we come to him, Everything will gravitate to our direction. So the first thing I want everyone to know, the most important thing I want us to live with today is a consciousness that what matters is the will of God. That's a consciousness. Because at the end of the day, when you are 90 years old, when you look back at your life, 
the most important thing will be was i in the will of god or did i live my life to please self mm-hmm. was i in the will of god or did i live my life to please self yeah he will lead your life to where he wants it to be where is all is already written already in the script of the bible of the book so yeah just follow jesus and you end where he wants you to end okay thank you sir so can you say a word of prayer for us people that need to come to jesus heavenly father king of kings although we might be separated physically but there is no separation in the spirit so today i'm praying for my brothers and sisters out there in the world that are struggling with issues and struggling with coming back to jesus but i pray oh lord that you open their eyes for them to see with the spirit the love that you have for them open their hearts for them to receive that love the bible says that the love of christ constrains us but i let the love that you've shared on the cross as as an evidence you showed us your love let it serve as a witness to break the yoke that anybody's going through the yoke of the devil the yoke of anything any influence that the enemy has placed in their life father i pray that your love will draw my sisters and my brothers back to you and the gates of hell shall be shut permanently in the person's life and they will embrace jesus and come to you in jesus mighty name we have amen. amen amen thank you amen. for watching amen. today have a wonderful thank day thank you have a Bye-bye. wonderful day